0: Welcome to the how to write a book podcast and in today's special episode we interview Leah Badgley woman's historical fiction author with experience in southeast asian culture amazing Leah was so cool Um, i mean the way she approached her book cover design how she pursued publishing um, and i think kind of her whole mantra about how she wanted to go about spreading her message it was really really exciting really insightful and i hope you enjoy it too Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Hey there, writers. Let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement So November is your month of transformation. Get a one hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot you can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. All right, and welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Today I have Leah Badgley, who you write suspenseful international fiction with characters overcoming life-changing odds. Your first novel, The Foreigner's Confection, was released in February 2022, and your second novel, The Worth of a Ruby, is set to be released in the fall of 2023. How are
1: you doing today, Leah? Woo! I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the invite.
0: Awesome. Definitely. Definitely. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Your book covers are lovely.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, I invite people to visit my website and check it out. Um, you know, and both of them were, uh, I worked with different artists on both of them, and I just got lucky. You know, I had a really clear vision in my mind of the um, atmosphere that I wanted, and I do have a background in visual arts, so that kind of helped me to have the language to be able to make the suggestions to encourage the designer to come up with something
0: that wasn't too far off. Oh, I love that. All right. Maybe we'll talk about that too. I mean, cover design, it's out of my realm. So anytime I'm, someone else has the expertise, I'm like, please let me absorb this. <laughs> so Leah, why don't you tell us about yourself? I did a little bit, but please share who you are with the audience. Well, um, who
1: am I? That's a really good question. I, I guess I'm a, uh, I have had a very full life. Um, as you can see, I'm not necessarily a spring chicken I um have done you know you live long enough and you get to do really interesting things and I've been blessed with a fabulous journey um I have uh, you know was in the music business for a long long time and put an album out and videos and you know all of that thing back in the 80s um and then I uh opened a restaurant, I worked in in Myanmar, and I lived in Cambodia and did a project there, and then I was a mother for 20 years, and that was probably the best project I've ever done, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, now I am, everyone always told me that I should write a memoir, because I have done all these very strange things and unusual things, and um, so I'm not writing a memoir, but I'm definitely drawing from my life experience when I write my fiction,
0: that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, looking at your like, author bio, I 100% agree with your friends. You know, you <laughs> definitely have depth, a rich life experience that not a lot of people can, can say they have. And now you live um, in the Pacific Northwest. So you've been all over the world.
1: I have, yeah. I was actually born in in Burma. It was then called Burma then. I've lived in um, all over Southeast Asia. I lived all over Europe. Um, my first husband was French. My second husband is Serbian. So it's like, that's a good way to see it, is to see a country is marry, you know, a, a person from that country. So anyway. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> is that kind of influence inside your books by
0: chance? Um, marrying strange men or... <laughs> I was absorbing the culture, but that's a good way to put it too. (laughs) Yes,
1: absolutely. So um, all the two books that I've written thus far are based on my, as I said, my life experience living in those places. Um, My third book that I'm working on now is set in Bosnia. And so that's definitely going to be heavily influenced by my life married to a man from former Yugoslavia. So, yeah, you know, and and food plays a big part in all of my stories. And my first husband, you know, is a chef, so French chef. So there you go.
0: Oh, that sounds lovely and delicious. I love that. (laughs) So tell us, tell us about The Foreigner's Confession. What is your beautiful book about? Well... The,
1: the Foreigner's Confession is basically a dual-timeline historical fiction novel. It's set in wartime Cambodia. And historical fiction is, I don't know, it depends on, on who's doing the counting backwards. Um, but uh, anyway, for uh, it's uh, 20th century um, historical fiction. Uh, within the story, the two protagonists never actually meet, but they come become entwined in a way that transcends time so there is a little bit sort of a of a supernatural paranormal quality to the story and basically emily McLean, our our hero you know goes on a journey through the country's painful history and works her way towards personal regem- redemption um and it is kind of suspenseful page turner oh wow that's
0: awesome and your books, because you're working on a third book as well, right? I am. Is yep. it a series? Are they series like with connected protagonists, or they're
1: not? And and I, you know, in hindsight, in hindsight, that's maybe wasn't a very marketing, a uh, clever marketing choice to make them standalones, because, as I'm sure you know, you know, series always sell best. But. Um, it, my stories are all the same in that they are dark, moody, deal with um, a redemption, and deal with strong female leads, over you know, overcoming life-changing odds. So um, in that sense, they're all the same. The um, heroes are all different women, but they're all dealing with the same sort of stuff of coming from a very painful past and working their way through it, or not, you know, successfully working their way through it, so... Yeah. So mind you, uh, I, I spoke about Foreigner's Confession. That was my first book. And then my second book, which is actually going to be released uh, in, uh, I'm not sure when this recording is going to come out, but November 1st, um, is set in um different country, also Southeast Asia. And again, also deals with the 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 theme of redemption you know basically the the pain the struggle the achievement or not of transcendence and my heroine here finds herself on a quest for an object that becomes literally a metaphor for the heart that she lost as a result of childhood trauma so there is some um, trigger warnings here w- with
0: regards to domestic violence. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. No, that's, that's super great um, because actually I've had a couple of like memoirists on the show. Um, also a couple of fiction writers as well, such as yourself. And one of the things that we've kind of talked about is that when you bring that kind of hardship to the book whether it's fiction or nonfiction, the writer themselves kind of rewrites the story guides themselves to the story discovers new things about themselves do you feel like that was also something that that might have happened to you does that resonate
1: it really does um i think that um you know fiction writers I mean, technically, we're making it up, but we can't do a very good job unless we're drawing from our personal experience. And if you're bringing up um, things that are um, uh, sadder from the from the darker side of one's past, you know, you you're reliving them again. And and sometimes it's it's curious because you may not know that that's what you're doing when you're writing it. So for example, this book, the the most recent one, I didn't know what I was really doing until it was done. And, um, a family member passed away and I had a different way of looking at my personal sort of trauma in child in, during childhood. And I was like, oh, crikey, that's what that was all about. That's why I wrote that book. I thought it was some other reason, but definitely. Um, and then s- sometimes if we're lucky, we can get some kind of, you know, resolution through the process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I forgot who I was talking to about this, uh, but the same, you know, I had also, like, lost somebody, and I wrote a story, and then it was completely fiction, like, and I looked at it later, and then I was like, oh, wow, I was processing that in this way, totally different, you know, different genre, different theme, but I could see it, you could see your past inside
1: yes sometimes we need to have sort of that you know the the distance you know that we have when we're reading a book it's like oh this is something from someone else's life right it's not my life but so we have the distance to write that story but then suddenly we discover no that really is my story, so, for better
0: or worse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I would love to take a step back and um, talk about, you know, why did you decide to write the Foreigner's Confession? What was the, you know, that spark that got you on this journey? Oh
1: gosh, that's a super super long story, and I know we don't have time for that. <laughs> but um, uh, basically my intention as a writer is to shine a light on parts of the world that remain unknown to many Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, Anthony Bourdain is my hero. Um, Mm -hmm. And if, you know, hopefully you will have heard about him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, Mm -hmm. he, uh, uh, you know, through food, he takes people to places where, the average person wouldn't necessarily be on their bucket list to go visit. So that's what I do with my stories. So the Foreigner's Confession is set in Cambodia um, during a very dark time in that country's history. everyone knows about the Vietnam War not everyone knows that right next door Cambodia was having their own civil war and there was this radical communist group called the Khmer Rouge that were doing horrendous things to their own people and it's a it's a bit of um, world history that Americans don't necessarily know a lot about um, but American policy was very involved in the decisions that brought that power that group of people that uh, that um the Khmer Rouge to to power and so I actually lived there and in Cambodia in Phnom Penh the capital and I had a job at this place which was a former prison interrogation center for these Khmer Rouge Um, members. And uh, my job was overseeing a local staff actually microfilming. This is not, you know, pre-digital. This is analog days. The actual confessions that were extracted from the prisoners under torture. And that was my job. And subsequently, I'm very proud of that work because it subsequently was used in Crimes Against Humanity against Khmer Rouge leaders. Um, But at the time, I didn't know that it was just a job. Um, How I got that is a wonderful long story over a glass of wine. Um, But uh, it I, I, again, people said, Oh, you have to write a memoir about this work that you did, because I was there for a couple years. And I never wanted to write that story. But that laid this foundational seed for the story. And then my husband, who is, uh, as I mentioned, from former Yugoslavia, which was a formerly a socialist country he knew about this woman who was in real life who actually did go and join the Khmer Rouge as a communist back in the 70s and so this and he researched her and so we found her photographs and we found information about her and so so all of these these two things just sort of grew together into a story of which I'm really proud.
0: Wow that that does I mean (laughs) I'm like of stunned like oh that is a lot that's amazing okay so that's kind of the seed the seed of what's where your book is now was there an incident or a day that you're like you know what i have to write this like this is going to be a book sometimes sometimes we play you know with ideas and then one day we decide we're going to write the book yes
1: very true um and what happened was i had written um, the first version of this book, the the newer book that's about to be released and had sent it out for querying, trying to capture an agent and then subsequently get it um, publicized or uh, published through traditional publishing. Um, and while I was waiting to do that, this thing called a pandemic um, happened. And what do you do when you're stuck at home? It's a really good time to write a book. And so that's when I started writing this, um, The Foreigner's Confession um a story uh because there wasn't much else to do
0: and uh so awesome so you begin this journey how long does it take you to create your initial draft I mean you have a lot of research um what's the process like to bang that out well, I'm not a
1: very good um, banger-outer when it comes to a trap. I'm a super slow writer. But in hindsight, um, the book came together very quickly in, in like a year and a half. Um, but I have a wonderful critique group, so I recommend all writers have um, critique groups that you know uh members that they trust that they can you know bounce ideas off and it just all kind of came together relatively quickly at the time it didn't seem fast at the time it like was like oh my god i really want to leave cambodia um you know because when i write i'm in the country i'm in that place for better or worse um but it 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 came together. Sorry, I went on a tangent, and I don't remember what the exact question was. But as far as the the, the process, um, yes, you, you know, you get that first draft, which for me is actually not technically a first draft because it's gone through some revision as I'm writing it with my group. Um, and then and then I go back. Then I take a break. And then I go and read it. And then I do another sort of um, look at high level. You know what the plot's like. And then I it's really good to bring in a, a professional developmental editor to sort of look at things. And then you go from there.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I would love to hear about that process. Everyone does um, editing a little bit differently. So what was your editing process like? You have a critique group. You got a dev editor. So yes. I feel like a lot of the writers, they plot in some way or another, whether that's a little bit or a lot. Um, so it's very refreshing to meet somebody who, like, they're just going to go in. He's just going to go in. <laughs> now, you have a process of doing a first chapter in the last chapter. Did you always write that way, or did that process come to you over time?
1: It came to me over time. So I'm um, very lucky here in the Pacific Northwest. In Seattle, there's um, a writer's... Um, Organization uh, that teaches craft called Hugo House. And um, another benefit of the pandemic was that Hugo House classes, which uh, for the previous Thirty plus years, were always in person. Suddenly, were available um, online. And I don't live in Seattle, so I, I live close to it, but not close enough to commute. So um, it was a real um, gift for me to be able to take these classes. Um, and also, you know, I've I've gone to a lot of the writers' workshops. You know, the Seattle Writers Workshop and such, um, and taken craft classes. And so all of that, you know, you absorb. You absorb absorb you absorb and uh, you know after a while it's just all of that is just spilling out your ears and down your neck and and you just have to just sort of do it and how you do it you, you know you got to trust
0: it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and speaking of of you know trusting and I think also you know just having that self-awareness did you at any point you know have mental blocks like a doubt that was stopping you from showing up to the page always we always yeah. do. <laughs> it's the life of a writer, isn't it? <laughs> Every time. i I mean, it,
1: it. You know, it's never like. What did? Well, um, I think it was Hemingway who said the way that he writes is he. You know, sits down in front of his typewriter and opens a vein. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. But that that implies that sounds actually kind of easy. You know, because well, I mean that sounds strange to say. So I take that back, mm-hmm. edit that out, but, but just standing or, you know, sitting down and having something to say. So one hack that I have learned is to read a previous chapter or chapters to sort of get me back into the mood and get things flowing. The, the, uh, Time suck part of that, of course, is, well, then I'm, you know, polishing away on stuff that has already been polished and not working on new content. So I have to sort of, you know, metaphorically kick myself in the behind and say, hey, today's all about new content um, and not revision. But, um, I know that there are a lot of different writers who had different ways of, you know, marking schedules with different colors of markers of now it's new. Now it's revision. Now it's plotting. Now it's whatever. I, I, you know, and I really want all of that to work for me, but it doesn't. I just, I just sit down and and do it. Kick the can down the road.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Did did you ever take um, an attempt at it? Like, did you ever try to outline and? And oh my you, god. Yeah. I have all the books. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. um Beat Beat the Cat, is that it? I <laughs> <laughs> I know you're
1: talking about that, yeah. <laughs> um, I have I'm looking literally down right now at one, two, three, four, five, six. So I have ten different craft books, all of which are mainly devoted towards outlining. And it just makes so much sense um in theoretically and logically but it has nothing to do with who i am as a creative so i'm definitely very i love how you said that i'm a discovery writer and if i plot too much that that takes the fun out
0: of it um so everyone's different i'm sure everyone's super different and and so i would love to just to ask a little bit more about this because i think that sometimes new writers they'll they'll try to plot and they'll just they'll run out of steam they'll so like oh it's not working I'm frustrated I feel uninspired and then they think oh it's it's something must be wrong with me something must be wrong with my writing style but I would love for you to share what are what do you feel when you try to outline and you just do too much because I kind of know how I feel and what it told me like how much I should what is what are the emotions that you feel what are the walls that you hit
1: Uh, literally I might punch a wall. I, I mean, I, I just, so I am a person who the whole concept of even opening an Excel spreadsheet makes me sweat. So Mm -hmm. I am, my brain just doesn't work that way at all. Um, and plotting involves some, so you can make an outline and okay, that's not so, um, terrifying as an Excel spreadsheet, but you know, there are people Scrivener came into being while I was, you know, within the last few years. And it's like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm already trying to write a story. I don't want to learn a new technical language. And basically for me, um, plotting is learning a technical language. It's, mm-hmm. it's, there, there's no fun in it for me, but that said, It really, you know, you've got deliverables, you have metrics, you have, you know, uh, anyway, the way when I first started, it was so hard to look at that blank computer screen or that blank piece of paper. And so I would take the kitchen timer and I would turn it on for, um, you know, 30 minutes and try and write. And then I just threw the timer against the wall. Mm -hmm. So uh, my long suffering wall. So then I, I told myself, you can't leave until you have 250 words. And that was my, um, uh, 250 words is about a page and, and they could be crap or not. And I found that when I would do that, I would usually go be, when I was writing most of the time I would go beyond the 250 words. Mm-hmm. Um, And it really helped me. I had one instructor. um, She's a marvelous writer. Her name's Jennifer Haupt. Um, She's from this area. Um, And I took a class from her at Hugo House. And she had divided up stories. You know, there's the arc and there's the rising action and, and falling action and climax and all of that. And she had done something which really made sense to me. She said, okay, 60 to 100 pages, that's your beginning. 200 pages, that's your middle. And 30 to 60 pages—that's your end. And I was like, "Oh, that makes sense to me." And suddenly, I—I I looked at my page, you know, count, and I was like, "Okay, I've got the beginning of my novel." And, that, and so, it's—we it, all have to find the little hacks that work for the way that
0: our brain works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So, so you really broke it down to something that was very straightforward, which was you know, 30 to 60 pages. All right, that's the intro, and then the 200 in the middle, and the 30 to 60 at the end. And those were like like the very tangible but not overwhelming goals exactly mm-hmm. exactly
1: and then i had to trust in my sort of natural storytelling you know and we haven't talked about you know you had mentioned earlier about people who get frustrated and give up mm-hmm. well maybe the story's not that interesting Sometimes it's not the craft. Maybe it's the story. Maybe maybe we need another story. So so finding finding the story that is really ours to tell and that we're passionate about. Sometimes that takes a little while, um, but definitely do all the craft work. Do all write all the short stories. Do all of that. Which I, yeah, I can say that I didn't do that, but <laughs> <laughs> but I can recommend it from my my position high on the hill here.
0: <laughs> I love that. No, and you're right. Every, every writer is different. So, um, you know, I think, I think you've really explained it so well because there are going to be writers out there who they're going to hear that. They're going to hear what you felt and then they're gonna, it's going to click. They're going to say, oh my gosh, that's me. That must be why it's not working, you know, and then they'll, they'll feel that freedom, you know, and then before that happens, they might be thinking, oh, you know, it's, I'm not a writer. Obviously, this process is not working for me. Um, so I'm really glad that you shared that. It's really important. My pleasure. So, I want to also ask about your publishing and editing journey. Now, um, can you confirm what was it, did you independently publish or did you seek a traditional publisher?
1: Well, I, I tried seeking a traditional publisher at the beginning and um, nothing happened uh, uh, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the, um, the benefit of being um, an older writer, so I um, I'm in a hurry. <laughs> i I can't say oh it's okay to wait five years to find an agent Mm -hmm. i i i don't have that kind of time um and Mm -hmm. so and the industry has changed so much in the Mm -hmm. last you know 10 years definitely in the last five years that it's not i you know you're not just Doing a vanity project when you write your book and self publish it. Now there are New York Times bestsellers who are self published. Um, mm-hmm. So that sort of changed my approach to it. Um, I, so, um, the Foreigner's Confession was self-published. I, I created my own imprint called Lure Press, and Ooh. I hired a woman-owned um, publishing company uh, based in Seattle that helped me with all of those things that I had no idea how to do, mainly find, you know, uh, someone to do the cover, to do the interior, to do the development, editing, all of that. So um, there are different companies out there that you can find. And for for packages or a la carte, they can help you with, with things. So, so if someone says that they're um, independently published, that doesn't necessarily mean they are the ones who did absolutely everything. You can hire... People to help you. Um, yes. the, the second book is through is a different. Um, it's still called Indie Publishing, but I um uh went with um Atmosphere Press, which is a hybrid press. Um so the upfront costs are a little bit less. Um and uh you keep um Uh, They take a smaller amount of the um, royalties um, than a traditional publisher would, but you're still sort of, you're the one responsible for everything being the way you want it. And I kind of like having that control because I want it to look and sound the way I want it to. Though that said, you know, you look back and go, oh, my God, why didn't someone catch that typo? Or why didn't this or why didn't that? I mean, it's so easy to beat yourself up with with regret that that it's not shiny and perfect. But you know what? I'm I've got two books in my hand, you know, and I'm pr- that I'm proud of. So, um sometimes you all have to let go of that perfectionism.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I will cheers all the time to um independent writers who, you know, seek uh maybe hybrid publishing houses or I mean, when they offer a la carte because that's what I do. That's that's my business. Is helping writers yes. publish their books. So, a to Z, yes, 100%. <laughs> so I would love to talk about, you know, before before we get near our time here, cover design. You did mention that in the beginning. So I'd love to know, you know, how did you go into it? You already had some experience. You knew what you wanted. Can you tell us how you started? Well,
1: like I said, I, I do have a, a little bit. I'm I'm not a visual artist, a professional visual artist, but I do have a visual art, arts background in 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 you know, painting and and such. So I I do know, um, have a sense of how colors work. I do have a sense because my, these two books were all um, dark and moody and atmospheric and, 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 dangerous. Um, I knew that I wanted the cover to reflect that. Um, Initially, I started with Foreigner's Confession of, oh, I want it to look like a literary book. And I had this sort of um, vision in mind. But then working with um, Girl Friday Friday publications, Mm -hmm. they um, uh, supplied me with an artist, a cover artist, designer, um, who really you know, did exactly what I asked for, and so I was able to see, you know, that's not what I want. And so we worked together um, to create more closely what what I want. So when you have the first one done, you know, then you can choose, do you want the second one to be sort of similar? And as you can see, my books are not the same at all, but they are both dark and moody, though sort of different color palettes. So um, that's uh, that's been my... Particular situation, there are people out there, you know, um, writers out there who want to be completely in control and you know design it themselves, mm-hmm. and and kudos to you if you can if you have the skill set for that. But I really encourage people to you know hire someone who, because it's so much more than just a pretty picture. It's it's how it's going to look. The entire cover, including the spine, you know, the front and the back and how it all works together. And the interior, that's a whole design element on its own, um, separate from the cover. So it's, it's a little more complex than just drawing a pretty picture.
0: Would you have, and I, I agree, like your covers, they're, they're gorgeous. I saw them and I was like, wow, it's really pretty, um, but attractive, but also the tone could totally feel the tone, just like you said. Um, do you have any tips for writers? You know, they're going to go into either a publishing house or go to a designer themselves. What are some things that they can do to make sure that they get the cover that they want um, and have that communication with their designer?
1: So I would um, suggest putting together a folder of images that, um, you know, and and I did this where I went, uh, one, I would look at uh, more recent or not necessarily more recent, I would look at um, book covers that I like. Of maybe you know six or ten or I don't know. Don't don't overwhelm your designer, but um, you know maybe three or four book covers that are out there in the world that You like you don't. They don't have to be perfect, but just you like the vibe, and then capture photographs or fabrics or um, color palettes or you know all the things. Uh, imagine that you're designing your um, you know your home, and what are the what are the textures? What are you know the paint samples? What are the you know, what are all the things? What's the furniture going to look like? You know, you could, you could even, you know, take pictures of, of you know, uh, 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 Morris chair, you know, arts and crafts, wood, you know, wooden chair. I mean, just anything that gets the vibe across. And then you would give the um, designer that as a starting place to work with. And then they would probably mock something up. And then you would go, I like this because, and I don't like this because. And then you would go to the round two.
0: That's great yeah I, l- I love those tips. thank you now, um, I would love to ask you, was there anything that we might have missed that we haven't actually covered together before we wrap up?
1: well um I, um this has been a lovely interview. thank you so much um i there's i I gotta say you know to all of your listeners, there's nothing cooler than being able to sit and talk about you know. <laughs> <laughs> <so>. <laughs> and your writing and your books uh, to someone for, for, you know, a a while, it's really a a gift that you, um, that you gave me. So thank you for that. Um, And I, I, I guess, you know, I invite people, uh, I presume that you'll have my um, contact information,
0: you know, on the And go ahead, go ahead. Tell us where we can find you. Love that.
1: So I'm available. I have um, author, um, Leah Badgley author, Instagram and Facebook, because I'm old. Um, So Instagram and Facebook. And then my uh, website is leahbadgley.com. And um, you can find me in those places. And, you know, look at that's another idea for coming up with, you know, images that you like, you know, find a writer you like and, and scroll through their Instagram and, and, um, or Pinterest or, or, you know, whatever it is that that you young kids are doing today, um, and and then um, you know it, get it ideas. Is out. Right. And, yeah. uh, one last uh, thing that I would love to share mm-hmm. uh, is a truism that art is theft. It is all art is built uh, by s- taking an idea from from another artist. No one, you know, creates art in a vacuum. So feel free to go and find stuff that inspires you from other artists.
0: Yeah, 100%. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much, Leah. And can you just repeat where they can find you one more time? I want to make sure everyone can see your amazing covers, dive into your historical fiction. Thank you. Yes, so um, Leah Badgley, author on Facebook
1: and Instagram, and my website is leahbadgley.com.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Leah. This has been a pleasure. Um, it's lovely to meet you. And I know that everyone here is also going to be inspired by how you also tackled your books and what your books are about. So I'll go ahead and wrap up this recording, but from the How to Read Book podcast. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Masiel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.